Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. I just want to prophesy for a moment. You guys are ready to receive some prophecy. All right, I just feel, okay, it's basic. I just feel like this next season of uh, what we're walking into, and we know it, and I think it's prophetic that mom and dad have picked this up, but it's going to be heavily marked by the presence of God. It's going to be heavily marked by the presence of God, and more than ever before, maybe in the past, we've been known as a church um, by our culture of maybe family, um, maybe generosity, excellence, whatever it is, lots of things. We'll continue to be known by that. But I think presence is going to mark us as a people. And I'm just thinking like, man, it should always be the presence. We should pursue His presence. Like, we need to be known by His presence. And how can we call ourselves followers of Christ if Christ is not with us in every moment and of every day? And I think it sets us apart, and we know that He calls us a holy gen. Everybody say holy. He calls us a holy priesthood and a generation that's been set apart. Holy just means set apart, one of a kind. He calls you one of a kind. Turn to your neighbor and remind them that they are one of a kind this morning. Ah, thank you, Jesus. And I feel like in the presence, um, so if you come to my garden, this isn't a boast because I just want to admit right now, uh, my garden is terrible. It's filled with weeds. It's never mowed. Um, but if you come to my garden, I recently pulled down some weeds after the rain that we've been having this week. And who knows here that does their gardening that pulling out weeds after some rain is absolutely amazing. It like halves the time or, you know, cuts it right in half. But um, I just feel like in this next season, as we bathe in His presence, just expect that some of the things that you've been fighting through in the last season will just come off you really easily. Like you're going to be surprised. And I, and I, I really want to encourage you to expect this because I think expectation is really key. Um, but expect, have faith that things that maybe strongholds, sicknesses, disease, um, weaknesses, insecurities, all that sort of stuff, you know, um, cultures, sin, shame, guilt, pride, ego, um, discouragement, doubt, fear, all burnt up in the presence of the Lord. And we come and we spend time with Him, not just come to here, like come to His presence. It's going to burn up. Everybody say, burn up. It's going to burn up. All right, beautiful. Well, let's get into it. And uh, I'm excited to be sharing out of Mark chapter 10 today. So if you've got uh, a Bible with you, please turn to Mark chapter 10. And the title of this message is called, What the Blind Man Saw. Okay, what the blind man saw, a little bit of an interesting paradox here. This blind man saw something that all the other people with their sight could not see. And I want to use this to touch on some stuff. This message is going to be interesting because I think it's, I've got like two messages in one, and I think it's just the way it's going to come out today. We'll, we'll see how it comes out. But um, I just, I was feeling like we actually um, are living in a culture and an era where we are so distracted, you know, we're more aware than ever before, but uh, we miss out on what God's doing um, right in front of us. Because we've become so distracted and so aware, you know, with every notification that's buzzing on our phone, uh, we miss, I believe, we're missing the things that God's doing right in front of us. Uh, I was reading a book, um, it was, I think it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, 
and it's a good book. Uh, but I was just thinking about, it, it, was, it was referencing some things like, apparently we touch our phones 2,617 times a day. 2,617 times a day on average. Um, and apparently just being in the same room as your phone uh, reduces productivity. Like studies show that it actually reduces productivity just being in the same room as your phone. And you think, how do I work without my phone? Or, I've, you know, I've got to use like computers and other things. But just this, this thing that like the phones have literally been designed to distract us, to keep us occupied. And I wonder if we're so occupied with the things of this world that we become blind to what God is doing right in front of us, blind to what God is doing right in front of us. And I was thinking, like, I kind of want to challenge myself. Now, I'm not, I mean, look how brand new this Bible is. I brought it as like an illustration. I do not read my analog Bible, okay? Hands up if you have an analog Bible in this room. All right, very few, okay, let's say 15 to 20% of the room have an analog Bible with us. All right, digital Bible people, hands up. Okay, so oh, maybe it's a 50-50. Okay, this is no shame because I only use my digital Bible. But I want to challenge you to something in this next season. Just a challenge, not a religion thing. But uh, I challenge you to set aside a couple of weeks where you bring an analog Bible to church and an analog uh, notepad. Why? Because, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm the first one to say this, the phones have been designed, designed to actually distract us. I'm not against technology, not against phones. But uh, think about how often you're sitting there and you're maybe uh, reading the Word and all of a sudden you get a buzz from Instagram or Facebook and all of a sudden you're looking through everyone's stories and all of a sudden you're a uh, professional in your neighbor's cat and you know everything about their life and what they had for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it's like we know everything about the person next to us, but we don't know much about the Lord. And I feel like God wants to bring us back to this place of like uh, attention and uh, reverence and awareness of his presence. All right. So, and I feel like, I feel like he's going to bring us into that, but something that this, uh, <laughs> getting text messages right now while I'm reading my notes. Um, so this, one of the things this book actually uh, looked at was like, what is all this distraction, addiction, and pace of life doing to our souls? Because we're getting, and I'm not, again, I just want to reiterate, I am not a master of this. I want to jump into this, but I just wanted to intro with this. Ten symptoms of hurry sickness, because we're so hurried. You probably see me running around church all the time. And uh, ten symptoms of hurry sickness, uh, irritability, hypersensitivity, restlessness, Workaholism, workaholism, emotional numbness, out of order priorities, lack of care for your body, escapist behaviors, slippage of spiritual disciplines, and isolation. And I feel like we've become so occupied, like the world has occupied us, that we miss out on what God wants to do in the stillness. And I'm thinking, I was thinking about, just I was mucking around with some of the guys on stage, and this idea came to me as we we're talking about the presence of God. I was like, yeah, we actually have to be present to be aware of His presence. Sometimes we're so forward, I mean, God wants us to be forward-thinking people, planned, organized, all of that. And trust me, I love that stuff. But sometimes we're so forward-thinking or maybe we're, you know, riddled with our past that we forget to be present and we miss what God is doing in the, this moment. And if you want to encounter His presence, I challenge you to get present again. Hit reset, you know, turn your phone off for a moment. And I tell you, honestly, one way to test this is switch off your phone, take out the battery, like warn some people, but uh, switch off your phone and put it away for maybe an hour. 
And see how many times you go to reach for your phone. It's crazy. It's terrible. Try it for a day. And, uh, but we're talking about seeking His presence. Everybody say His presence. So if you want His presence, you need to be present. Think about how, how many times we're just so hurried um, and we're, we're pushing through things and we miss what's in front. I was thinking about like when you're in the shower. All the best ideas come to you in the shower, right? It's like the moment that you don't have your phone. I mean, how many of you take your phone into the shower? I'm sure there's some people that take, uh, the, the phones are waterproof now, so you can take your phone into the shower. But the phone is probably, uh, the shower is probably one of the rare places that we're left with now that you don't have your phone. And I'm convinced it's because we're still in that moment that all of a sudden the Lord starts to speak. How many times has someone shared a testimony with you and they're like, well, I was in the shower and the Lord started to say, it's like, you could leave that part out, but everyone just starts their story with, I was in the shower. All right, but um, let's, let's turn to Mark 10. Let's get into some scripture. And uh, I just want to, as we read this, I want to ask you to, to think about it. Uh, can you perceive him working in your life right now? Do you feel he's absent or do you sense the rhythms of his grace working through your life? Are you aware of his voice, his presence? Don't let him pass you by. You know, can, can you answer what he's calling you to? Can you answer, you know, um, the question, what has he challenged you to lately? Um, seek him. I challenge you to seek him. So let's, let's, cha- let's read Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Okay. So we see Jesus and his disciples leaving Jericho. This is verse 46 of chapter 10. And it says, uh, a great crowd followed him. And Bartimaeus, everybody say Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus. This is our blind friend today. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And so many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And so they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Okay, so this blind blind man saw something in Jesus. I want to break it up and we'll see what we can see in this scripture. But um, I believe the blind man saw something in Jesus that others were missing and it led to his miracle. It led to him encountering Jesus. And I think one of the things we can learn from this blind man, his ability to see, though he could not see, was that he had honor. He had honor, okay? Um, and I believe honor opens the door of your heart. How many times have you self-diagnosed before going to visit a doctor? You know, you, you Google, you know, you're feeling a little bit, you know, you got a cough or you got this weird sensation in your knee or something, you, you search it and it's always like you're going to die next week, like something really like uh, graphic and terrible. And so you self-diagnose, and often we might even, we'll go, we, either we don't go to the doctor and we start to self-medicate, or uh, we go to the doctor and we tell them what's wrong with us, right? And now what happens there is sometimes this lack of honor closes the door for someone to speak into us, right? Sometimes we close the door because of dishonor for someone to bless us with wisdom and uh, with, with what they're blessed to carry. Now, this is interesting, right? Bartimaeus, this man, Bartimaeus, his name means son of honor. 
Bartimaeus, son of honor. The question is for us this morning, do we honor the presence of God? Do we still believe that the presence of God, just, I mean, I find myself still like, you know, I've been, I grew up in church, and so you can become accustomed to the presence of God. You know, it's normal to, you know, to see God touching people or to sing songs about His goodness, to read scriptures, like blow your mind scriptures, but we just read them casually. But do we still honor the presence of God and honor that in a moment you can be set free of something? In a moment you can be healed. Do we still honor the presence of God that at any moment He can speak to you and you can release a word from heaven that shifts the atmosphere? Do we still honor the presence of God? Uh, Or do we take it for granted? Are we missing his cues? Are we missing, are we ignorant of his whisper? Um, I I remember, I've I've shared this story with some of you guys uh, a couple of times, but I think back to, you know, it was uh, over a decade ago now, 2008 or seven, when we were worshiping together in a conference and um, here here at church, we had Joshua Mills visiting and we're worshiping and all of a sudden we began to hear angels singing with us. And we were sure it was angels because one at a time, each of us on the stage, we looked at each other. We thought someone was singing or someone was playing something on the keyboard. And then we looked out and, and everyone's like, everyone's slowly, you know, most people, you can see that they're, they're realizing something's happening. They're looking around, no one's singing. And there's this chorus of angels singing. And the thing is, this is what's really interesting. And if you've ever heard testimonies like this of, um, you know, hearing heavenly angels singing in a room, it's often not everyone in the room hears it. And the story goes, like this, when this happened, was not everyone in the room heard it, maybe 50-50. 50% of the people heard this, but you could tell, like everyone was freaking out in the room. Everyone's looking around like, what is going on? Like the st- us on stage, our jaws were dropped. We were just freaking out. Um, but it's this thing of like, man, you know, are we you know, are we aware of what God's doing or are we distracted by the lyrics going wrong on stage? Or when Leon presses the wrong key on the keyboard, sings a bad note, a bum note. God is doing something incredible in every moment and not just at church, guys. Every single moment. I just want to remind you something like, you know, I would ask the question, there's too many of you guys, you know, how does God speak to you? And I think the standard thing is, you know, through a preach, you know, through, you know, he speaks through the Bible powerfully. And I think we need to have the word as our foundation, but we you know the, the a preach or a church or something like that. But I just want to remind you that God can speak to you through movies, through music, through friends, through the person that you don't like, through your next door neighbor that's unsaved. God can speak to you. You know, the, the Bible says that the Spirit of God at the beginning of time hovered over the chaotic waters. Before there was anything, God was in the midst of it. And I just want to remind you that sometimes we can miss the fact that God is trying to speak to you through a movie because we've switched off because of our lack of honor for the every, the every moment of living with Him. And so I want to remind us that maybe it's as simple as like this, this idea of distraction and dishonor. Maybe it's as simple as you think you've heard this preach all before. And for some of the youth guys, I apologize because there's some bits in here that I was preaching last week at youth. Um, maybe it's... Uh, it's as simple as you've heard this passage before. You know, you've read this scripture before. Uh, whatever it is, dishonor will distance you from the move of God. But a heart of honor will pave the way for heaven to come. So don't be distracted. The worst thing, uh, you know, the worst thing is hanging out with people on their phone. 
You know, like if you're, if you're chatting someone or if you're on, if you've ever gone out on a date and someone's just on their phone the whole time, um, it's terrible. I'm sure I've done it to people, but I try and put my phone away. And, um, or now we've got the Apple Watches and it's like the messages are coming up here. Um, and so it's the worst thing because they're distracted. And in that moment, it's like, it's a lack of honor. You know, and the relationship can only go so far in that moment. But I believe we have to be present to receive the presence, to encounter His presence. Uh, we have to honor the moment. Honor the moments. What else? Let's keep going. Is this good stuff? Is this making sense? Honor, I'll say this, honor looks like faith. And faith looks like expectation. And so I want to talk about expectation. I think another thing that I want to share from what we see Bartimaeus do is he expected it. He expected the presence. He saw it, even though he was blind, he saw Jesus because he expected it. Actually, I need to go back to the honor thing. I just want to wait, expect, honor. Yeah, okay. He honored, Bartimaeus actually honored Jesus when he recognized him for who he was. So his name was Son of Honor. But you know what else? Uh, Bartimaeus did that was quite interesting is that Bartimaeus calls out to Jesus and he says, Jesus, son of David. Everybody say son of David. Any Davids in the room? Prophesy children. There you go. Very good. Uh, son of David. And you know what the son of David line was? The, the son of David line was a prophetic statement or a statement of faith that Bartimaeus recognized Jesus as the Messiah. He called him son of David and when there's a, there's a crowd surrounding Jesus, and Bartimaeus saw him, and he was blind, but he saw Jesus, and he's like, son of David, Messiah, have mercy on me, okay? Then he expected it, okay? He expected that Jesus could do something and would do something, and I think sometimes we miss things because we aren't expecting them. So this is going back to the, you know, if you're not expecting God to speak to you through music or a friend or a, a, a cranky old person, or maybe your parents, you know, maybe you think your parents are old and all of that sort of stuff, you miss out on the gold of what God wants to speak to you through your parents. Um, but you've got to expect it, okay? I live in a granny flat behind someone else's home. I'll tell you this, uh, I guess a, uh, what's the word? Uh, a shameful confession? No, I don't know what the word is, but I, I'm going to confess something. Uh, I love to order Uber Eats. You've heard it all before. We get things delivered to our home all the time. We plan to cook, and then sometimes we're just like, I guess we'll just order something home. And, uh, but here's the problem. Sometimes I feel so like, uh, okay, so we live at the back of someone's house, and the people that live at the front often get our deliveries sent to them, right? And so they do the nice thing, and they'll, they'll put it to, you know, the front of our house. They'll send it, like, packages and stuff. But when it comes to ordering food, it's happened too many times where I'm watching on the phone, and I think I'll keep an eye on, you know, the delivery guy, the, the, the guy on the bike. But then half of the time, this guy is riding, and then all of a sudden, he skips five kilometers, and he's right out front of my house. And I'm trying, I'm expecting him to come, but I'm not expecting with enough expectation. And so I, he, he gets to our house and he knocks at the front door of our, the guys out front of us and delivers food to them. And then they have to say, oh, sorry, that's not us. It's the guys behind us. And then I, I just kind of feel a little bit of shame because I'm like, okay, I got to jump in and take that food before my neighbors find out that I'm ordering every single night Uber Eats. Um, but that's the thing, like, with the delivery, I got to expect, I got to be ready um, for when that delivery comes. If I'm not ready, then I'm going to miss it, right? Um, and it's like the voice of God. God, and there's power in the voice of God. 
just want to remind you how much power there is in the voice of God. God spoke everything into being. There is power when he speaks. There's power in his word. Think about it. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, be healed, and a man was healed. He said, come out, and a dead man came out of a grave alive. That's the power in his word. Jeremiah 33 says, call to me, all you uh, who are weary. No, no. It says, uh, call to me, and I'll answer you, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not yet known. So do you expect that God will answer you when you speak to him and you cry out for him to speak to you? Ah, he's, he's a good God. Cool. He speaks. He speaks. And uh, yeah, don't dismiss his voice. Don't dismiss his voice. Don't dismiss his voice. Okay, he speaks to the listener. And uh, like the dad's brought this illustration up many times before. Sometimes it's like, you know, you're playing around with the tuner on an old school radio and you're trying to tune into the frequency of of, you know, 103.2, I'm sure, all the Christians in the room, 103.2, and you're tuning in, and if you tune to 103.2 and they're no longer broadcasting, you question your radio. You don't question the broadcaster. And so I want to remind you, do not dismiss his voice and tune into what he's saying. Expect it and tune into what he's saying. And Matthew 11 says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I'll give you rest. So go to him, and uh, let's, let's expect his, uh, expect him to actually speak. I, I was watching a crazy documentary the other week, and uh, apparently, it was like a, a weird, one of those like TLC shows, this woman uh, was experiencing crazy abdominal pain, and she's, you know, she's at home with her family, and she's just in a lot of pain, and the, she's kind of screaming at this point, and then the, the son comes and says, is there anything you need? And, and she's like, no, I should be fine, I think I must have just eaten something wrong. Anyway, next moment, she pops out a baby. This woman, apparently, I don't know how true this is, apparently this woman did not realize she was pregnant, and then she gives birth to this baby. And it just makes me think, look, if this pregnant woman, she, she wasn't expecting to have a baby, obviously, if this pregnant woman could miss the fact that she's pregnant, how much more, if we're not expecting it, can we miss the voice of God that is right in front of us? When the Messiah is walking right by us, that, you know, sometimes it's the ones with their sight that cannot even see the Lord. And it's like, and, and it comes back to that thing, how preoccupied are we with our own lives, with our notifications, with the things, our, you know, the things that we, God has actually blessed us with, so much so that we're actually blinded to the move of God in the moments. Um, so let's get present. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. All right. Lastly, uh, something I, I f- feel like Bartimaeus could teach us is that he was determined. Okay, so Bartimaeus, he, he was blind, so that was already an obstacle. And, uh, but when he, when he heard that Jesus was walking by, he cries out. You know, he, he, he attempts to, to get to the presence of the Lord. He cries out. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people around him say to him, be quiet. They shush him. They say, silence. Don't distract him. Imagine yeah, I say imagine, but you've probably been there, you know, getting on your knees, pursuing him, you know, reading the word and feel, you know, and it seems like nothing's happening. And it seems like the presence of God is nowhere to be found and you can't feel it or you don't sense it or you no longer hear him. And uh, something we learn from this man is after being shushed, he cries out all the more, 
even louder. And so I, I want to challenge us in this season. You know, you know, um, we need to pursue His presence beyond, uh, <laughs> beyond the points through which we're comfortable to continue pursuing Him. Okay, uh, I was I was thinking about how. You know, maybe you've heard of Todd White and maybe some of the other, I mean, some of the people in, at School Supernatural in Bethel, some of the testimonies you hear of, they're seeing this healing and this healing and this healing. I know one thing that Todd White once said is the difference between me and you and the fact that I've seen so many healings is that I've probably prayed for 100,000 more people than you. And uh, I saw nine, you know, 90,000 people not get healed, you know. And, uh, and I feel like there's something... There's something about pursuing His presence past that point of discomfort. And I feel like us as a church, as a family, I'm just sharing, you know, brother to brother, brother to sister, let's pursue Him in this season. And I, I'm convinced that we're going to encounter Him and receive things um, and see things. And uh, yeah, we're going to see Him do things that we probably would not have ever expected him to do. We're going to enter into like new realms. If we want to see that stuff, if we want to see radical, you know, transformations of people's lives, we want to see people healed, set free, uh, we got to pursue him you know, past that point of discomfort. And so Bartimaeus, he was determined. I think about the woman with the issue of blood. She pushed through the crowd. This, this woman with the issue of blood, she was not even allowed in the city. She was labeled as unclean, but she pushed through. And she grabs the hem of Jesus. We see time and time again stories of determination. Think about the tax collector, you know, Zacchaeus, a man labeled a sinner, you know, unworthy. But what he does is he wants to see Jesus. And so what he does is he climbs to the top of a tree. Imagine what shame does to you, right? This, and this might be for some people in the room. Shame usually squashes you down and, and pushes you to a corner. And you kind of feel to hide away in the corner because you feel disqualified from the presence of God. And I, I was sharing a, a little bit about this the other week. But I just feel like sometimes I think one of the greatest, um, you know, weapons, if you could label it a weapon of the enemy, um, that he uses is that he will, he will convince you that you are disqualified of the presence of God. Disqualified from the presence of God. And, and I just want to remind you that there is nothing that could disqualify you from the presence of God because it's the presence of God that leads you to freedom. It's the goodness of God that turns men to repentance and it's encountering Him that changes everything. And so when we disqualify ourselves from the Lord, then we miss out on what He wants to do. And so Zacchaeus, he was a sinner. He did rob people. He was considered evil, but he still wanted to see Jesus. And so rather than shrinking back, he climbed a tree to be seen by everyone. Coming, coming to this point of, you know, you, you need humility to do this because people are going to point the finger and judge you. You know, if you see someone come to the front and, you know, they're raising their hands, but you're thinking, I know what they did this week. I was at the same party that they were at. Let me just remind you that the, the faith that we're walking in, it's all about sinners becoming saved. Jesus said, he said, this, this is the gospel. He said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. He was saying this to the, the Pharisees of that day that were like, why are you spending time with these evil people? And so Jesus said, I actually came for the sick. Now here's the interesting twist. We're all sick. We're all in need of a savior. And pride holds us back from, from encountering him. So we all need him. So I encourage you in this season, be determined. What does it look like to be determined for you? Maybe ask yourself the question, what is the resistance that I'm facing? 
And sometimes you got to think about what is it that that's that that you know what's the resistance that's in my life now. The resistance isn't your enemy. The resistance is an opportunity for faith. The resistance, you know, if, if, we, if we seek the path of least resistance, often it's the wide road that leads to destruction. But the narrow road, it leads to eternal life. And so um, don't, you can't label resistance, you can't always label resistance as a sign from God that this is not the way He's called you to go, okay? He never promised us it would be easy. In fact, He promised us that we would carry a cross, Okay, so, but let's be determined. Let's, let's, let's seek his presence in this next season. Hmm, what else? Honor his presence. Everybody say, honor his presence. Beautiful. Everybody say, expect it. Expect his presence. And lastly, let's say, let's get determined. Let's get determined. Amen. Awesome. Hmm, yeah, and I was thinking about this story. When I was reading through the story of Blind Bartimaeus, it reminded me of what happened to Paul. Paul, the great apostle, the main contributor of the New Testament, also found himself blind after an encounter with Jesus. And it just makes me think, I wonder, I, I can't give you like, you know, theological stamp of approval for this, but it's, you know, the beauty of this thing is we get to you know, meditate and, on Scripture. And I just, I wonder if God thought it was worth allowing Paul to be blinded in this moment, uh, you know, like the, the cost of him being blind was worth it enough um, to make sure that he would not get thrown off track. Because there was so much essentially that God had called Paul to do and bring the church into that, that the church would see Gentiles saved. Each of us, you know, we're descendants essentially of what Paul birthed in the, in the first and the early church. And so, like, I wonder if God thought it necessary to cause distractions to disappear at whatever the cost. You know, and he allowed Paul to be blind in that moment. And so Paul was, so if you don't know the story, Paul's riding on a donkey, ready to murder some more um, Christians, okay? He was, a, he was a Jewish man ready to murder some Christians because he sees Christianity as a cult. And he's, he's riding on this donkey along a road. And then all of a sudden on his way to murder more Christians, Jesus appears to him in all his glory, in his presence, in his magnificence. And he gets knocked off the donkey. And he says to Je Jesus says to Paul, he says, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you? And he says, I'm Jesus. And from that moment, he's blind. And Jesus gives him instructions of, on how to get healed. But I feel like, you know what? That encounter set him straight. And again, remember, Paul in that moment, he was a murderous man. So whatever, wherever you feel like you are, I just want to remind you, you are not disqualified from the presence of God. In fact, He invites you in your mess. He invites you in, in, in the, you know, the difficulty, in, in, even in the, in the midst of like, you know, if you feel like you've been distracted and you've just wandered too far and you don't even know how to sense the presence of God, He says, come and I'll knock you off your high horse. And so I, I, I want to challenge you that, I challenge you with this, that you know, blindness to the world is not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, sometimes I think God wants to knock us, you know, off our track, cause us to forget the things of this world. Like the song says, as I look into the, His face, things of the world go strangely dim. I think sometimes God wants to remove things from our life, you know, a blindness, cause blindness so that we would see Him. So don't reject it when, when God starts to do this. 
Um, and, I, and, and maybe God thought it necessary to cause the distractions to appear, disappear for the, this man named Paul. And, and again, it reminds me of that scripture, cut your eye out if it causes you to sin. Do what you must um, to make sure that you're hearing and you're in the presence of God. So there you go. Just a bunch of thoughts on this scripture. I want to encourage you, encourage you to read this. Let it be something that guides you in this next season. Mark chapter 10. Go read it and meditate on it in your own time. Uh, but we're going to be, we're going to, as a church, we're going to pursue His presence like never before. Not, I mean, we're going to pursue His presence in these church services. We're going to pursue His presence in our connect groups. We're going to pursue His presence on the streets. And I feel like God has called us as a church, as a local church, to see this nation transformed, the world transformed. And I, we feel the responsibility of what that looks like to bring heaven on earth, this apostolic culture of seeing heaven on earth, people set free, healed, delivered, and uh, and declaring Jesus to the world that needs Him. So we need to be in His presence. We can only give what we've got. So let's get back into His presence. Let's not be distracted. Let's see Him. Let's expect Him. Let's honor Him. Let's go after Him. Let's be determined about it. Amen? Beautiful. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I'm going to pray. All right. Thank you, Lord. Father, we love You so much. And uh, we just repent. If you know, if we've been distracted, Father, but we just thank you. We recognize your grace in this moment, that you lead us back into your presence, that you heal us in your presence, that you set us free, and that you take off everything that we were never meant to be, and you put us back on the right road. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Beautiful. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.